Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Political. It's crazy how the second the episode starts, it's like a demon possesses my body and I'm suddenly much more articulate and clearer and eloquent. It's crazy. How does that work? I don't know. I just know that we spent hours trying to figure out how Audacity works. Yeah, dude. Shout out to, what's his name? Casual Savage. Casual Savage for teaching us how Audacity works. Absolute king, honestly. Like, Audacity is kind of a nightmare of a software. There's so many things that could be better about it, but... And we spent so long trying to set up a Spotify account and an Apple account. Don't even get us started on how bad we are are tech. Like, jeez, we didn't even know that the sound bu- the sound box wasn't plugged in to the computer. We spe- I spent like a good 10 minutes trying to figure out why it wasn't picking up picking up audio. Jeez. It's fine. Yeah, this this whole podcasting business is a very high barrier of entry for for a business made for Honestly. two very uh, people who like to hear the sounds of their own voices. Two people who literally just want to be trad wives. <laughs> uh, that was a joke, by the way. We don't want to be trad wives. For legal reasons, yeah. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Yes, definitely. Um, But yeah, I mean, we wanted to talk a little bit about the abusive tech practices of Apple because, oh my goodness. We spent like 10 minutes trying to figure out how to set up an Apple account and it literally told us once we were done filling everything in, sorry, your account can't be created at this time. What do you mean? What do you mean? My patience was running so thin. And not only that, they made us like do this thing to make sure that we weren't robots to like check and they and they listened to us speaking like they made us type out numbers into um like a field and they were reading out the numbers in the most terrifying robotic voice I've heard in my life. It was like six, one, two, five except like it's probably because it's actually a robot. I know, but it was freaky. It was freaky. I didn't like it. It freaked me out. I'm allowed to say that it was freaky. Yeah, I agree. It sounded like a disembodied voice. Which is which is which is which what it was. It was but <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how weird it would sound during it. It was weird. But yeah, I mean, honestly, Apple does this thing where they the second you're part of the Apple ecosystem, like you have an iPhone. They, it makes you want to get, like, AirPods. And then it makes you want to get an That's app- not the worst way they lock you in. Like, when I used yeah. to use an Android, for me to move from Android to Apple, it's impossible. I can I basically expect all my data to be gone. But for me to move from Apple to Android, no difficulty at all. That's so true. Android is far more open of a platform than Apple is. And Apple do- does these things in the name of, what, security or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, they also, I mean, obviously... Sorry, I don't care if Hacker123 steals my data. It's not as if it's already not already being sold to like some Tom Dick Henry. So Harry true. <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone's stealing everyone's data. There's nothing you can do about it anymore. I mean, that's a bit fatalistic, but I honestly don't even have the cognitive space or like I don't. Sorry, I we're not clever enough to discuss. Uh, I can't tech, even tech bother. Policy. Exactly. Like that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing is that when you don't know what's going on, you can't be bothered to read the terms and conditions. You can't be bothered to put an exclamation mark in your passwords. Apparently, reading te- terms and conditions is horrifying. I'm sure that it is. That is precisely why I don't. I don't want to know what Instagram is doing with my data. Did you know that recently? Oh, I think it was Instagram. Instagram was outed for be for recording you whenever you're on the app. So even if you don't have stories open, they are still recording you. That's why Apple put the new function in iOS 14, right? Where it shows whether it shows or not your you. microphone it wasn't used. Like, yeah. But I don't know if I mean, 
you know these people. They find loopholes around everything. That's the thing. So moral of the story, don't talk. Yeah. Using your phone. And in then, fact, when you are talking, put your phone under and what's it called? An acoustic complete silence. <laughs> I don't. I literally don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Basically, make sure you can't I'm just gonna noise. nod and smile, nod and smile. But yeah, um, like even for live photos on Apple. Basically, for in order for live photos to work, they have to be recording you constantly while your camera's open, so that they're able to capture it a second before and a second after. If you don't believe me, after this episode is over, go to your Apple. If you if you have an iPhone, go to your camera, turn on live photos, and count one, two, three, and then click your camera on two and it will when you press the live photo it'll show you saying one two three and that means that it had been recording you the whole time which but is, it also means that they were deleting everything before but i don't know what what happens to that is it really deleted would they delete it would they delete it like if you had that power like remember when edward snowden when edwin snowden oh, i can't say this man's name when edward snowden like released all his files and a lot of interviews he did, he talked about how people were looking at the intimate photos sent between couples, between wives and husbands. They were looking at the private photos stored on celebrities' phones. Like, if the NSA has the capacity to do these things... Can I say that? Is that a bit too conspiracy theory? It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It was literally proven true by WikiLeaks. Yeah. And the, um, the, the United States is trying so hard to, like, get rid of it. It's probably true yeah i mean it's scary and it makes me want to revert back to monkey times when we were all monkeys and eating bananas yeah consider monkey monkey (laughs) Monkey. i'm going back to monkey all right so we we wanted to dive a little bit into singaporean politics today are you down for that i don't think our audience I mean, we are literally the oligarchs, the t- tyrants of this of this podcast. We might as well just go on with it. I wasn't asking the audience. The audience is at the mercy of my every whim. I was talking to you, Kay. I care what you think. You're my friend. No. All right, well. Yes, so we're going to talk about Jameis. Not this. <laughs> do we call him Jameis or do we call him Dr. Lin? Oh, I'm not going to... I call him Jameis in my mind. So, I mean, I guess we have to call him Dr. Lim to be respectful, right? Uh, sure. Dr. Lim. <laughs> I hate you. Oh my God, so I hate gross. myself too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, All right. That? <laughs> that's funny. Um, Dr. Okay, Lim. Yeah, we'll keep it. No, um, that, isn't that funny? Like, how anything can be turned a little bit more suggestive if you just say it in a deeper, more whispery voice. Like, hi, Kay, versus... Hi, Kay. Please never say that to me again. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah, about Dr. Lim. Right, about um, Dr. Lim. You had a theory, didn't you? Uh, yeah, my hypothesis... Okay, I don't know enough about Freud to really make a good case for this, but my hypothesis mm-hmm. is that one of the reasons why Dr. Lim was so popular is not just because he had great sound bites or um, he looked a certain way or he said certain things. I think what really made him capture the hearts and minds of of people so quickly was that he reminded us of the familiar of the father of the father we so desperately wanted especially in covid Mm. times and the dominant party while having been paternalistic for a very long time it wasn't the same sort of refreshing Mm. authorial you know trustworthy 
um, figure that we saw anymore. I mean, it definitely had the mandate it needed, but in the case of Jameis, he reminded us of them, the people we trusted and we, we, you know, expected to rely on Yeah. because he had the qualifications of anyone you might find in, in PAP. He had the... Um, he talked like someone from that party. You know, he had that whole accent thing going for him. Yeah. His English had a... That's definitely something that factored into it is yeah. the general, like, the way that he came off as a, definitely a very yeah. tr- trustworthy figure. I don't know. I feel like a lot of... When I was talking to some people, they would tell me that they were really, like, they would harp on about Jameis's ink sorry Dr. Lim's English mm-hmm. you know they'd be like he wow, speaks such English good is- English yeah. he's so articulate he's so eloquent I agree with you I agree with you I think that Jameis Dr. Lim's eloquence and like his being very articulate definitely contributed to his being perceived as trustworthy and that kind of edible yeah. thing and, and I also it's, think it's not just that like he was trustworthy in a like banal or sort of like oh he sounds like a trustworthy reliable guy it's that he reminded us of the father the father that has you know raised us since the since 1965 the paternalistic politicians that we've had for so long yeah in that he wasn't a paternalistic figure but he was symbolic of the same attributes we considered to mark a good politician like having good credentials you know speaking a certain type of wearing white shirts Wearing billowy white linen (laughs) shirts. We're referring to his Anchor Bale tour, right? Absolutely loved that video. Fantastic. I love the vending machine part. Mm -hmm. Cameraman, you did a great job. You did a great job, cameraman. I just want you to know that. But anyway, I I fully agree with you. And also, I think that... um, I agree. And I also think that Jameis represents a different type of father figure. Because he's not... He's definitely, yes, I agree that he's a father figure, but he also represents, like, a new age cool dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he and his kid are very adorable. Yeah. Like, like tours and stuff with his wife. It's a very cute family. Definitely. And, and it's not just that. It's that, I mean, if we're talking about the government representing a, an archetypal father figure to the whole country, I think that he represents a new age of parenthood. Yeah. A different because- type of parenting. Yeah, and also he's, like, from Generation X. He's from our yep. parents' generation, right? I don't know, okay, I don't know about yours, but from my yours, yeah. And it's, and when the new generation of voters come out, like, the next election, Zoomers are going to be the, f- it's going to be the first time that Zoomers vote, if I'm not wrong. Mm. And he is of the age that our parents, it's like, he is the direct. He could be our dad. Yeah, he's old enough to be our dad. So I think that is also significant to younger voters, maybe. Subconsciously, I'm not saying that people look at him and are like, father. You remind me of my father. I'm gonna vote for you. Yeah, definitely not. Jameis, I mean, Dr. Lim. (laughs) (laughs) He is, he comes off to me as a very down-to-earth guy. Yeah. And and that's the thing about politics that people don't realize is that it, it very much is aesthetic by nature. Like, ContraPoints, I don't know if you guys watch ContraPoints, great YouTube channel, she spoke, she was, she made a video once where she says that there are some ages where where we live in the Roman circus, and there's some ages where we live in the Roman, I'm not phrasing this right. The Roman parliament? Yeah. Like, there are some ages of aesthetic in politics, and there's some, some ages of 
rational discourse in politics. And we are in an age of as- very much aesthetic politicking. A lot of political discourse is... Trump derangement syndrome. Exactly. A lot of discourse is very aesthetic by nature. And so, I mean, as much as we hate to admit it, like, the aesthetic of being a strong male figure in the political landscape, being someone modern, interesting, unique, well-read, traveled stuff like that, having a cool Instagram presence, these are things that matter. Is it? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I think it mattered a lot. Like, especially to our generation, having Jameis, having Dr. Lim (laughs) be so accessible to us via Instagram, for example, being able to connect with him, him, his, like, econs essay captions, where everyone was like, ha, free constitution, lol. I think that was more of Dr. Tan Ching Bok. There, that that will be a very high beast thing too. to do. <laughs> that too. But you know what I mean? Like, that accessibility, that... But that's a very small group of voters. In fact, most of a good majority of them are non-voters. Mm-hmm. What about, like, older people who are, like, uh, in Generation X mm-hmm. or boomers? Mm-hmm. You know, true. what caused him to have such a wide appeal? It's, got, it's not going to be Instagram. It's not going to be his social media presence. It's going to be the debates. The sound bites for sure. The debates were game changing. I don't think that, and I think that the debates that took place this year have got way more traction than a, than any other debate I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, I mean, it was crazy. It was everywhere. The warming the cockles of our heart thing was everywhere. I think it's the first debate I've watched in full after the presidential debates. Yeah, and I was very young then, so I don't really remember it. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. Singang was really exciting. I felt very whatever you su- whoever you support, mm-hmm. Singang was a really exciting battle to watch. Definitely, I felt very politically enthused. Yeah, um, which you don't sometimes you don't really feel in Singapore. Yeah, so it was cool. It was cool for for me to kind of see that for us to feel to engaged that. to feel engaged exactly, um, and that's a nice feeling to have to feel like you have some kind of power over your environment or that the deliberate choice you're making feels. Like a meaningful exercise of your agency because you maybe you really want this person to yeah. win. It's not just an obligation. Yeah. And I mean, they make Christmas carol a cappella videos for us. It's very cute. Uh, Were there bloopers? Cute. Yeah, the bloopers on Doctor Lim's Instagram. Lovely, lovely. So cute. Like, there's something so personal about it. But I think it also in a general sense, Singaporean politicians are much more accessible to us than a lot of other politicians in other, in other countries just by function of us being so small. Like, Meet the People sessions are uniquely personal. Um, I don't know. I can't remember any... Okay, okay, I think in the US, maybe local governments can do that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right? But Meet the People sessions are unique in that they cover for the loopholes of policies. People who fall between yeah. the cracks. They make up for those, uh, those loopholes, basically, in policies. And... I don't really know any other country that does it so successfully on a local scale. I think it's it, it really is quite special. There's that, and there's also door-to-door HDB visits, where you get to meet your MP. I mean, that's what canvassing is, Literally though. just drops by. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. Like, you probably know someone who knows someone who has a minister's phone number. Like, I think that's Singapore they, being very small. Yeah, it's, but, but that's crazy, isn't it? Like, it's that that close it's also like a byproduct of being part of a certain circle that too that too yeah so i mean so i don't think everyone has that sort of second degree access Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, but it's something. Yeah, the same way uh, we have a first degree relation with uh, our dear Singaporean. Oh, God. Our not very dear Singaporean. We don't claim Helian, him. Our, hel- our Helian child. We really don't one? claim him. Our black sheep? The black sheep of Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> Amos Yi. Let me who, pull up an article about this guy. He changed his name to Pollicle. Um, and our podcast podcast name is Political, so we're oh jeez, we're two letters Don't away from being even. political. At the time when we first found out he was going to prison, it was shocking. It was shocking. It was very shocking. And when he got punched in the face that time, because he's that? around our age, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was crazy, and it was very like emblematic of. Oh my god! And those that picture of him eating a banana walking into yeah. the courtroom. He was very. He was very lack like I don't know what the word for it, lackadaisical. Very. Mm. Very laid back for someone who was facing jail time. Yeah, it was it was very jarring to see someone be so um, laissez faire about yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and, and now now he's a political who is kind of currently facing the threat of deportation um, because he committed the crime of uh, sending explicit messages to a minor in the U.S. Some girl who's fourteen, and he's like what twenty. Yeah, let me read from this article. Yeah, yeah, what does it say? So it says, he defends pedophilia, then he says, Yi's candid nature might, ne- might be refreshing, but don't be too quick to worship him as your defender of free speech, because he's also a defender of pedophilia. According to Asia One, Yi has defended pedophiles in the past, including three time, including three YouTube videos in 2017. He once posted a picture of a young... Y- a young-looking girl on his Twitter account. Alright, trigger warning, this might be a bit triggering for you guys, so if stuff like this bothers you... Click away. Um, with the caption, how does one not become a pedophile? Leading to the suspension of his account. I mean, that's horrible. I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, it... it I mean, he's a groomer in, in, in most sense of the word, based on the, the crime he's being charged yeah. for. I mean, she is... She's 14. She. I mean, okay, it's not really, like, a great thing that she's 14, but... What the, what's the word for this? It's not pedophile. It's like a bebo file. What? There are like some degrees of words. Oh, I didn't know that. different ages. I didn't know that. Yeah, and... So pedophile is for children who are prepubescent. And a bebo file is, I think, for pubescent. Oh, okay. Pre- no, no, not preteens. Like, young... Tweens? Tweens. Tweens, yeah, tweens. Um, Stuff like this is very upsetting to me because I have a little sister. She's She's about that age. And I mean, jeez. Yeah, I know. It would be horrible. I mean, I can't... I don't know how the family is feeling. But anyway, 100%. Amos, coming back here. Yeah. Facing the risk of coming back here. Woo! Ooh. What then? What are we going to do with him? Yeah, he's going to become our, our responsibility. I mean, yeah, I it's... guess that's the thing, right? About being Singaporean. He's probably going to get... It's way easier for him to get into trouble here. Much easier. And it's going to be... And I mean, Amos Yi, your reputation precedes you so much. How how are you going to be treated in prison, dude? I mean, that's it's terrifying. Not even solitary. Is that solitary here? Probably. I don't... I'm not... Our prison system is very opaque. That is... That's the thing. Our yeah, prison I system mean, is very opaque. Opaque in that it's very difficult to find information about it. It is. It's difficult. There was a Human Rights Watch article written about Changi Prison, and it was... You guys should definitely check that out. Um, 
it's kind of scary. Like, they only allowed one hour of sunlight a day. Speaking of uh, Human Rights Watch, I yep. discovered, you know, purely by accident that I could not access Human Rights Watch or Amnesty.org, uh, I think, um, using school Wi-Fi. Like, SWN. How you know, this might change after we release this podcast for whatever reasons. But this was just an observation I noticed in the year 2020. Um, just putting it out there. It was a very How interesting bizarre. choice. Oh, it has to TikTok audio, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely a, a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Well, Moving swiftly along. I, I don't know. Amos Yee is, I think, a very defining moment in Singaporean, contemporary Singaporean history. Very defining for a lot of reasons. I think is he defining or is he just notorious? No, I mean I think it defined how our generation. It defined our generation's perspective on our abilities, our limits, our limits, our political. Um, what's the word? Our political kind of language, almost. I'm not sure if it informed us as as much as it made viscerally clear what the consequences of crossing certain boundaries were. Because what Amos said was very clearly horrific or it was horrible. unacceptable I mean, to, like, a good... much. I don't know anyone who thinks it's unacceptable, to, uh, that it's acceptable to say such things. For sure. You know? So I think we, when we heard him, we could tell that, you know, this is not something you say, but Amos going to prison really set some sort of precedent for our generation. Yeah. Um, and now we all use sticker packs of him. We do. <laughs> we do. It was even memorialized. Sorry, polygal. Po- um, a polygal is a combination of what? Polyglot and oracle, right? Yeah. Please don't insult polyglots like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, jeez. Oracle, what does he predict? His deportation? Lamo. <laughs> That's a good one. No, seriously. Like, is it, like, I want to know what he's predicting since he's an oracle. I look into my crystal ball. I look into my magic eight ball. Magicateball.com. Will I go to prison? Yes, no. Yeah. Well. Vegan. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Remember that t-shirt we saw today? Single married Single vegan? married vegan. <laughs> Imagine you'd tell him vegan instead of yes or no. Okay. 180 shift in convo real quick. Since you mentioned the t-shirt. I have you I have I'm a, I have some lots of opinions on vegan food. And I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. Since since birth. Uh-huh. You know, I've never I've never eaten meat on purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am one of the biggest uh Haters of of uh, a big proponent. Food. Why? Wait, why? Okay. Um, I don't think it's a like. I, I'm like I uh, write off vegan food as a whole. Yeah. But I was I was just looking at their dishes, and or sometimes people ask me like what vegan food consists of, mm-hmm. and like I look at what Western vegans put up as meals, and it looks so plain. I'm sorry, but what? I mean, it takes the pleasure yeah. out of eating. You know? Yeah. I think. A lot of Western vegans, especially new Western vegans who don't know how to get into veganism in a healthy way, they end up getting really hungry. Mm-mm. Like they feel they feel really hungry for a long time because they don't know how to keep track of the food that they eat. So that they, they aren't like being um, deliberate about. Oh, they spend excessive amounts of time on meal planning. Yeah, which I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to place the blame on them. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's not their fault that I might find their food bland or whatever but it's almost as if 
when someone enters veganism, they're really at a loss of what their diet should look like, yeah. you know, or they don't know what cuisines to take inspiration from. Um, and some cuisines are just very well adapted towards veganism because they have a strong vegetarian base. Like you can find strong vegetarian um, backgrounds in certain cuisines. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed for a lot of vegan food from cultures that are, not from cultures, sorry, my bad, uh, cuisines that are not traditionally used to having like vegetarian options or very, you know, special, like not like specific vegetarian options, they tend to demeatify formerly meat options. Yeah. So they might replace their meat with like an impossible meat patty or whatever. Yeah. They might use like seitan to, you know, create, create mock meat or something like that. But they don't really reach the point where they can create a full... I mean, I'm sure there are lots of people who reach this point, but a lot of the meals that I've seen online that become really popular, they don't really, they don't reach the point where it's a de- it's like a totally meat free even in in in, in thought. Uh, that's so pretentious, okay? I cannot. Okay, believe I'm a you serious said- vegetarian, okay? I'm a, I'm allowed to be I'm allowed to be. <laughs> I can't believe you said meat in thought. What does that mean to like to when think you, meat? <laughs> when you see a meal and you're like. I want to bring a meat element to this that doesn't involve real meat and then you put like seitan in it or you put impossible meat in it, you know? So it's the it's the concept of meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is very interesting, you know? It is. Uh, because now that Singapore has approved uh, Petri dish meat, basically. Yeah. Uh, it removes the cruelty element. Basically. Exactly. Like So the so question is, if the ethical argument... Okay, I'm not too familiar with how uh, yeah. the meat growing works. And but I'm assuming that it is cruelty-free what does that mean it for the ethics argument exactly. of veganism? For me, the biggest thing about vegetarianism, like the, the strongest arguments for vegetarianism, the environmental argument and the cruelty argument. Like the idea that if you are able to get all the nutrients you could possibly need without harming another living being, that ethically is very, very sound to me, as even though I do eat meat. <laughs> I've always imagined that in the future when I live by myself without my family, I, I do want to be vegetarian. I know I have friends who think the same way. And largely, it's it's the cruelty aspect of it that I find to be very, very persuasive. And so the ability to have the taste and pleasure of meat without harming another animal, I think I'm 100% for that. For me, it's the cruelty aspect of it that bothers me. But what will vegans do? I'm interested. I think... Because I know you can sit around and talk about the hypocrisy of only you know, not eating yeah. meat, like so-called, you know, killing animals for meat when it's grown in a Petri dish. We can all sit up, sit around and talk about that. But the real question is, will veganism become become a proper alternative for people as a lifestyle choice, you know, beyond the health reasons or whatever? And I don't think so. I think we might see a drop in vegans. Wait, or so vegetarians. if you don't eat... So if you don't... So if you don't eat meat off of animals, but you eat petri meat, are you? Can you be vegan? I think you can. Um. Can sorry. No, I didn't get one. That's fine. You can. We can. I'll just gotta take a normal cab. Wait, what were you saying? I said, if you. If you don't eat meat off of animals. But you eat petri dish meat? Can you still be a vegan? I think you can. I don't think the concept vegan becomes meaningful then. I agree. I mean, it's meaningful in like, I don't eat meat. Yep. In that way, I don't consume dairy or whatever. I don't consume animals. But is it an ethically meaningful choice? I think then 
pure veganism or like raw veganism for example in which you don't eat you don't cook for example or you don't like it might just become a health choice exactly it becomes more a health choice or a spiritual choice maybe you want to completely detach yourself from from meat and you want to just consume things that can be grown maybe something like that but i think that this is really exciting because it is really like creating a lot of exciting opportunities the vegan movement as it is as a political or as a mass movement yeah. you know doesn't it reduce its capital down to just Definitely. purely oh eating plants like the uh, only yeah. plants is healthy for you and that is precisely why you should make the choice it depends honestly i think it depends on the accessibility of petri dish meat if it becomes something that <laughs> i like what calling it petri meat what else is it called <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, grown meat. I don't know. Like if I'll it's just call it patri meat. Yeah, if it's something you can grow really easily, if it's something that you can create on mass without a huge environmental backlash. Seriously, I think that that would be so. That is the future. Yeah, that's so game changing. Why would you need? Why would you need animal farms anymore? I think it would also mean the end of. Oh man, but that assumes that animal the animal farm lobby will ever let that happen. Also true. And they are very powerful. Very, very true. If you think about it, like, the same argument could have been made for green energy. Right? I mean, green energy is the same thing. Why would you burn coal? Why would you burn oil if you could just get all your energy from the sun? Isn't that the future? But, I mean, the oil and gas lobby is just too strong, right? Yeah. So, maybe vegans can continue their their noble fight. Yeah. Yeah. And add some flavor as a vegetarian. 100%. loves food. Add some, like, what's that What's that spice we always use at your house? <laughs> jaat masala. That jaat masala shit, dude. Um, can I say shit? Yeah, whatever. That jaat, mas- that jaat masala. <laughs> jaat? It's jaat. Chaat? C-H. Oh, chaat. Yeah. Sorry, I'm half Indian, but I don't speak any Indian languages. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I don't speak Indian. Of course I'm not going to say that. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I am? Yeah. That jaat, that, oh my god. I cannot speak. That chaat masala is so good, y'all. Like, Put it on some tomato. Okay, put it on tomato. Like, literally just sliced tomato. Put it in your sandwiches. Put it on so anything. Oh, good. Bro. But you're right, though. That has, like, flavoring vegetables. That's vegetarianism. <laughs> like, my sister, my oldest sister, tried to be vegan for a week. Just because she has the freedom to do that. Mm-mm. And she was like, I was sleepy all the time. Oh, dear. I wasn't getting enough energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally yeah. understand that. I think, um, I mean, I'm not going to really blame them for, you know, deliberate. No one wants to deliberately flavor the stuff. You know, maybe they really enjoy their dishes. Their, yeah. What's it called? Uh, quinoa. 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 Potato. Potato. <laughs> okay, I like potato, but yeah. maybe they really like this food. But it makes veganism really unpalatable. It isn't literally unpalatable. Like, yeah. the food, unpalatable. Yeah. And I think that it would be nice to take inspiration from um, different cuisines. cuisines who are familiar with which are familiar with vegetarianism yeah, the, and there are lots of cuisines like this and I think as well people tend to see it as an all or nothing ordeal when really you can slowly transition into vegetarianism you can like meatless Mondays or like have a vegetarian meal every day something like that meatless Monday um, toothless Tuesday toothless Toothless, uh, t- Wendy Wednesday, Wendy's less, <laughs> Wendy's less <laughs> Wednesday. Good. Yeah, I mean, um, you guys should check out Fortune Center. I mean, like, yes, I we've agree. been going there a lot. 
I mean, not by a lot, I mean twice in the past like two weeks. Yeah, but great place. Lovely. It's really cool. It's literally a vegetarian enclave. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. It's so interesting. And I had no idea that a place like that could exist or existed in Singapore. Very, very cool. So yeah, check it out. There's vegan bubble tea there. Yeah, but the only thing it doesn't have is vegetarian xiaolongpao. And I'm a big op- a proponent of bringing veggie xiaolongpaos here. Because the nearest location with veggie xiaolongpaos is Hong Kong. Um, if anyone knows a location in Singapore... Email us political69 at gmail.com. Please. <laughs> That's not a joke, by the way. That's actually our email. Yeah, please. Um, And yeah, so I think that about brings us to the end of the episode yeah yeah if you guys have anything you want us to talk about email Email us us. email us um let us know we can we you know we'd love to talk about anything under the sun if you guys have like a play or a text that you want us to read let us know if you have a guest you want on Mm -hmm. let us know we don't know a lot of people we're very ordinary folks so very ordinary so uh if you want us to talk to your neighbor sure yeah oh my god absolutely i would love to talk <laughs> to your neighbor uh, but yeah i hope you enjoyed the episode have a great one and we'll see you next time Bye bye <laughs>